Hey friends, welcome to Wild Hearts with Janine. I'm Janine, the host of this podcast, and I am genuinely so excited that you are tuning in today. Wild Hearts is for those who are passionate about diving deep, keeping it real, reclaiming their passions, and getting after the things that they were made to do without apology. In each episode, I sit down with a fellow Wild Heart to talk about life, travel, faith, and everything in between. So let's dive in. All right, you guys, I am so excited that you have chosen to tune in today because I'm sitting down with my friend Whitney, who is, she's just like the travel expert in my world um, and in so many others. She has been all over the world, um, solo traveling, traveling in groups, traveling with friends, um, and I've been wanting to get her on the podcast for quite a while to sit down and talk all things travel. So I'm super stoked that she has joined me today. Whitney, hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I am so good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to get to talk to you a little bit about what travel is is looking like right now, especially since you are living abroad. Wait, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I want you to be able to share your story. Um, so why don't you go ahead and just take a couple minutes to introduce yourself, share a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, what's going on in your world. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. Um, as you said, my name is Whitney. Uh, I have a travel platform called Blonde Atlas. It started as just a creative outlet blog, if you will, and has transpired into um, a travel planning business. So I am um, a travel advisor. I'm affiliated with an agency plan bespoke trips for clients. It can be honeymoons, um, multi-generational trips, any trip that you really want. Um, and then furthermore, I have um, a sub branch off my business called Atlas Adventures. And those are group trips where, um, yeah, I just wanted an opportunity. Like my two favorite things in the world are connecting people and travel. And I wanted a way to do both of those things in one go. And so these trips are really intended to, yeah, connect other tra like-minded travelers to give them authentic mm -hmm. cultural experiences while also making a lot of fun memories and taking a lot of the uh, not so fun parts of travel, which is the planning and the organizing mm -hmm. um, off your plate. So um, that is what I do. I, as you said, live abroad. I'm in London. So I'm from Nashville originally. And fun fact for all the listeners, um, without disclosing anything um, too personal, uh, I used to live in Nashville, where in the exact house where Janine is currently living. <laughs> so when I was moving out, I was like, I loved my little place so much. I had so many memories there. I lived there for seven years and I did not want to part with it. I wanted to find someone who was going to love it. And I put a little something up on Instagram and was like, does anybody want an amazing home? And I'm so glad Janine took me up on it because it, it brings me so much joy seeing you post there because uh, it brought me so many special memories. But yes, alas, I am now in London. Um, I've been here for about a year now, um, but I had spent about a year of my life prior um, just mm -hmm. through long extended trips doing the digital nomad life and, and kind of basing myself here. So it was a long work in process and, and progress, but um, I, I eventually got here and, mm -hmm. and yeah, now it's home and I'm so happy to finally be here, especially in a, I can't say post pandemic life, but a post lockdown life. Yes. <laughs> um, it's been, it's been really, really wonderful to finally feel like I can be based here and do the life here that I wanted for all those years. So yes. that's a, a little mini intro to me. <laughs> I just feel like I have to say it's such a wild story as to how I ended up living in the place you lived <laughs> for so long because I was abroad I was in I remember I was in um, Yorkshire 
in England and you posted and I was in this space of like, I knew I had two and a half months left of my travels in uh, Europe um, and I needed to figure out where I was going to land. And I had no, I had a like very short list of cities that I was interested in. Nashville wasn't at the top because I had lived here before. But um, when you posted, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I remember reaching out <laughs> to you and you were like, oh, you're the only one I actually know in real life who said they're interested. And <laughs> it was within like, I want to say it was like two to two or three days, like 48 hours, 72 hours, something like that. But I had talked with my now landlord, um, your previous landlord, and we had like a verbal agreement and it was it was like just the quickest turnaround and felt like such a gift. Um, and I've loved this place. You oh, it makes a me so happy. I'm just like, and the fact that like you were trying to move abroad, I was trying to move back. You wanted to find someone who might want all of your furniture. I obviously had no furniture because yeah. I had been traveling. Like the timing was wild. That's always such a fun story to get to tell. I know. Okay. Well, my second question for you really quick before we hop into our topic, which really kind of is totally in line with our topic is, and this is going to be a hard one for you to answer, I'm sure, but where is um, one of your favorite places or maybe a couple of favorite places you've been? And then what's like that one place at the top of your bucket list right now that you want to go to? So in addition to brevity not being my forte, another fun <laughs> fact about me is I really struggle with absolutes. Mm. Um, I cannot sit here and tell you, I can name, you say name a fa- couple favorite places. I'd have to like, start giving you different categories of favorites <laughs> because I am so bad at succinctly. I, I, I can't do absolute. So I can, I can tell you a few. I will say this. I have a special place in my heart for Italy. One, because mm-hmm. it was the first place I ever traveled abroad. I always describe um, the first trip that I did in Rome, the wheels touched down and I felt like it was that scene in the wizard of Oz where everything that was black and white turns to technicolor. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was just this, my dad says that like my jaw was on the ground and like my eyes were big and I was just like a little kid in a candy shop. And it just, yeah, it, like, it, it was a very transformative moment. And ever since then, I just, I love all that Italy has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easier for me to say an entire country because there's so much diversity within Italy, right? Like you have cities, you have countryside, coast, mountains, like amazing food, amazing history, amazing culture. So I, I, I think that's going to probably just be my simplified answer is yeah. I've been a lot of amazing places and I can give lots of different favorite categories, but I will just always have a, safe, a soft spot in my heart for Italy because it is, in my opinion, all the things that we want with travel. It's good people, rich, uh, rich history, diverse mm-hmm. culture, um, you know, and, and even just the fact that Italy wasn't a unified country until like what the early 1900s, late 1800s. And so it's like so much different. Yes. Like you think of Italian culture, like in America, we think of, you know, like, Oh, pizza, pasta, this, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but those are all representative from different sub regions of Italy. They all have their own like local pride. There's, there is so much diversity within Italy itself. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I I clearly could go off on a tangent. I'm going to stop there. (laughs) Just say Italy. It's one of my, will always be one of my favorites. And I'm very fortunate. I, that's one of the places that I plan the most trips for now. So I've gotten really close to a lot of like vendors and hotels. And it's just mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing place that I think everyone should go at some point in their life. Um, mm-hmm. And then a place that I've really wanted to go, I'm in a blanket statement. I'm going to say two things. One, I'm going to say, I just want to get out of Europe not as I shouldn't say I love Europe. I moved to Europe because I I love it here so much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I have, because of work find myself 
you know, if I am positioning myself to be an expert on these heavy hitters like Italy and Paris or any of France and Greece and London, I, Amsterdam, whatever, like I myself need to go to these places, like ideally at least once a year to make sure that the recommendations I'm still giving are accurate, right? And so um, with that, it like, obviously that can then between going home and going to those places, like that can take up a whole year of travel. And so I, I was planning last year, 2020, the, the year that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> I was originally planning to get outside to a different country. Like I wanted to go to like either Asia or Africa or just like I had so many different places that I finally was going to pull the trigger on and mm-hmm. enter COVID. And now it's just, a, it's just more difficult, obviously. I, I think, well, you know, we're getting there and I have hopes for next year to to be able to venture that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I really wanted to do Asia. Um, There's Mm -hmm. so many different places within, but the answer that I'm going to give, I feel like I had to to start with that because that is where I directionally have been wanting to go for so long. Um, But I have to say New Zealand now Mm. because so my, my boyfriend's half Kiwi and like uh, talk so highly of it. And oh I've never, I've never been. Like, <laughs> so it's like, I, I feel like I know so much about the culture. I've learned so much about the culture through dating him, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I've never been. So yeah, I'm going to say kind of like a tour of Asia and mm-hmm. New Zealand are very high up on my list. I have heard nothing but good things about New Zealand, like nothing but good things. Yeah. It's high on my list too. Well, I can't wait to, for you to go because I know I'm going to learn so much and get so many ideas. Well, thank <laughs> you. I can't wait for that cool. either. Um, well, clearly based on what people are already hearing uh, about you and who you are and what you do, like obviously you are an expert in the travel space for a reason. Um, you travel a ton and you have tons of connections. You do these group trips. You, um, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you ended up somehow in this travel influencer. I hate the word influencer. I'm not going to lie, but like, it's <laughs> kind too. of where you reside, you know, you help inspire and encourage, um, people to travel and to get to new places. They might not have, if, if they hadn't, you know, come across your stuff, um, your content, your blogs, your emails. Oh my gosh, your weekly emails are amazing. Um, Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, you're just one of my favorite people to follow in the travel space. I've learned so much from you and Thanks, get Jenny. so inspired to visit so many places. Yeah, this is just a hype on Whitney podcast episode. Clearly, I need to be my PR person. <laughs> Well, I would just love to hear, like, how did you end up in this space? Like, how did you um, realize your passion for travel and your passion to help other people see more of the world? So quick backstory is I, my degree was in advertising. I did, I worked at agencies for years, um, about a decade prior to getting into the space. Um, so one of the first jobs that I had out of, uh, wow, I almost said uni, my Britishisms are starting to <laughs> rub up against me. Love when it. I get out of college, cause I'm still an American. Um, <laughs> I worked at a little boutique agency that had a lot of CDB clients. So convention and visitors bureau, small tourism boards. We're talking like Gatlinburg and stuff, not anything like super exciting. No offense, Gatlinburg, but, um, I got to learn a lot about how the tourism industry was structured through having those clients. Um, 
And then I went on to work um, for some larger global agencies like TBWA and CPB. I worked on the Infinity social media accounts. So I feel like I got to learn a lot about the social media space um, mm-hmm. there. Um, and long story short, got I had just had my life like burned to the ground within like a calendar year. I was went through a really bad breakup. Um, I like had like some pivots in my friend group as a result of that and Mm -hmm. then got laid off at my job um, all within like not even a year of each other. (laughs) It was like back to back. It felt like everything just kind of burned to the ground. Um, And so I knew, I I think I was just already, I was, I told myself after the breakup, like don't make any sudden drastic moves. Just like Mm -hmm. get through this for a few months. But I kind of knew in the back of my head that like moving or like getting out of Nashville was like, pretty high on my priority list. Um, but I just wanted to travel and kind of figure out what that looked like. Um, so I, I always knew I've, I've, I've always known I love to travel. My family is mm-hmm. scattered all over and, um, travel's just always been something that I've loved doing. Um, but I think that when, when I lost my job, I had already planned a trip to Napa with some girlfriends. We had booked the flights and nothing else. And kind of in a state of panic, I was like, I'm, I have to find a way to like pay for this. I'm fun employed now. Like what, you know, what am I going to do? And I remember from the tourism boards, I was like, I should just reach out to tourism boards. Like I had started my blog at this point, but it was still in the, like its infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, maybe I could see if I could get like, maybe even just a few free wine tastings or something. If I, if I wrote about it or if I, you know, did coverage, like you, just, you never know. It doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. So I reached out to the tourism board and they had me fill out this form and long story short, I mean, now the market's so oversaturated, this would never happen if, 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 I, if, if I were in the same position today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, six years ago, seven years ago when I did this, um, they, I ended up getting like meals and a hotel and a hot air balloon ride and all this like press Amazing. stuff where I felt I had a major imposter syndrome. I was like, how are they? But I didn't ask questions. <laughs> I was like, I'm desperate right now. Of course I'm going to say yes to all of this. Um, and yeah, that just kind of got my creative juices going in terms of like, so I actually turned down like another great job um, doing like the social media supervisor position for the agency that represented Airbnb. It was based in LA and I, I turned it down because I just had this, like, I, it was probably my, a lot of my friends thought I was being really reckless in the moment, <laughs> but I just had this, like, I don't know. In my mind, I was like, I never studied abroad. It's one of my biggest re- like regrets. And mm-hmm. I just want to see the world for a little while. And maybe I can, you know, I, I'll babysit, I'll do whatever, but I just, I want to have some freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, the agency life really drained me. And so, yeah, I, um, I started pitching similar things to hotels all over Europe and I stitched together what was supposed to be a three month trip that turned into a five month trip. And yeah, just like, I mean, I was scrappy as hell. (laughs) I, um, your place where you live now, I mean, you know, our landlord is a saint. He was letting me Airbnb my place Mm -hmm. and I was like making more money that I was spending <laughs> on rent. So I was like, and then simultaneously wasn't like, wasn't paying for some of these places. Cause I was finding ways to do like media trades or, you know, and, the, and then the nights in between when I was having to 
pay for places. I was paying like $20 to sleep on someone's couch via Airbnb. (laughs) So it was just like, I was super scrappy and I never saw it being a business. I just, I I honestly, in my mind was just like my world burned to the ground. I deserve to have some fun for a while. This Mm -hmm. is what I love doing. And yeah, I, I I feel really lucky. I I also, I don't know. I, it's kind of like a, a cringy thing to talk about in some ways because I, I get asked advice on, on, you know, how did you do this? How did you, you know, and Mm -hmm. I have to like first acknowledge like, gosh, like I'm so lucky and have so much privilege from, you know, compared, like this isn't something that I could like go just anywhere and be like, oh, here's your formula for how to do this. Right. Right. Like I obviously have some advantages that set me up to be able to, to do this, but um, but of course, yes, like hard work and stuff came into, into the picture too. It just was mm-hmm. a, yeah, I, I feel really, really fortunate that what felt like my, yeah, my world burned to the ground and I just had this blank canvas and mm-hmm. because I had the right tools, I feel like I got to build a life that was a lot more me and a lot more aligned with like what my passion is. And I just, I feel really lucky now. I, there are two things you said that like really stick out to me and I think speak volumes in terms of like people doing the things that they really want to do. And that is one being scrappy and like, <laughs> cause I'm a big proponent for that too. I'm like, Hey, if you want something bad enough, like mm-hmm. no excuse is going to get in your way. Like you're going to do what you have to do to make that a reality. Um, but then two, I love that you said no, or you um, dismissed something that was a great opportunity. Um, it could have been amazing, but didn't feel like the right opportunity. It didn't feel like the thing that you really wanted um, ultimately and you stuck to that dream. And I just think that that's really encouraging. Um, And like, look at you now. You're doing great. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, like in hindsight, there's times that I look back and I'm like, I don't know if I'm qualified to give advice to like youth about this because like I was very reckless at some times, did not always make financial responsible, financially responsible decisions, but I landed on my feet. I stayed scrappy and worked hard. And so I, I, fig- I figured it out. I figured it yeah, out. I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm doing good now. Yeah. Well, and we already alluded to this, talked about it a little bit, but you moved abroad in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So you moved from Nashville to London, which I know had been your dream for years and years and years. And Mm -hmm. I know you worked for many years trying to figure out the right way to get there um, because it's not as easy as moving abroad is not as easy as it used to be. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would love to know some of the best and then the hardest things you found in doing that and moving abroad. So yeah, London for me was a culmination of four years of effort, um, including a move to Chicago in between because I was thinking like, I don't know how long, I I think I always knew when I moved to Chicago, like this was probably going to be temporary, but I knew I needed to move on from Nashville. And I just mm-hmm. like, did, I, I was going to crush my soul if I had to just like wait until I could mm-hmm. actually get to London. Um, so I think like honestly, the waiting was the hardest part as the wise prophet Tom Petty once said. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, separate for that once, if we're talking about the move and not the process of getting there, um, I think that for me, it was, you know, just, it it was honestly hardest to see, to kind of have a a healthy dose of, you know, I've traveled a a lot and I, I feel like I developed those, you know, comments that people tend to poke fun at about, 
oh, you know, American girl goes to Europe once and suddenly, you know, has this breakthrough about, oh my gosh, and I'm in Europe, this, in Europe, that, and you know, but so I, I feel like I already had a healthy dose of like, you know, America versus Europe, mm-hmm. but man, living abroad during a pandemic, I feel like exacerbated that so much. Um, it was really difficult when, um, you know, we were in lockdown. I got my visa and honestly, like this isn't a complaint. I, I needed a season of like putting down roots and settling after mm-hmm. being a nomad for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got my visa September. I moved, I got my visa like coming up on yeah. Labor day weekend. It was a year ago. Wow. I moved like a week later, September 16th. And then I moved, I had to quarantine for two weeks. So we quarantined in Devon at my boyfriend's parents' um, place. Mm. And then um, moved into my flat October 3rd. I say all that just to give a timeline because so October, I basically had the month of October to live my best London life. And then um, because that was when, you know, yes, it was in the pandemic, but that's when like around the world globally, like things were kind of opening, like cases had gone down, it was summer. And then we started moving into fall. And so London went into lockdown for the month of November. We had two weeks like out of lockdown before Christmas. And then we were in lockdown until like, I say lockdown until April, like April 12th, but like restaurants opened April 12th, but we couldn't eat inside until the end of May. So like, I, yeah, I'm only just now getting to like have a normal London life. Um, but the thing that like really, it, it wasn't hard being here as much. I mean, it was, but also like, I was very impressed by how much, like what a concept we're in lockdown and people listen to what they're supposed to do to keep other people safe. Like what was hard was watching on Instagram and seeing like the disregard or like just Mm -hmm. the entitlement that so many of people that I like that I know and love had and like hearing the commentary of like, well, you're American. Like you shouldn't have to do that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm living in a country and these are the laws. Like I have to follow these laws. Like just, it gave me such a like gross taste in my mouth about American entitlement. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have so much pride pride about my country too. There's a lot of things I'm not Mm -hmm. over here trying to just like hate on America as a sweeping generalization. But I think that honestly was the hardest part. Like I came home for Christmas, um, like, Right. Because basically we opened up for two weeks. Things looked a little bit better. And I just, yeah, I was like, I'm going, I'm going to go home. Like the flights between the U S and the UK had been completely empty when I went, you know, previous to that. And I was like, I feel, I trust the airlines. I feel safe about this. I'm going to take tests. I'm going to quarantine. I'm going to, you know, but I want to see my family. Um, Mm -hmm. So I made the, the thoughtful decision to go home. Basically it's just, yeah, I don't know. I found myself feeling Um, I think the hardest part has been you, we are all a product of, I I heard someone once put it of like, you're a product of like the books you read and the people you surround yourself with. And I think, I think the sort of people you surround yourself with, especially, and you're, we're a product of our environment and, you know, being based here, um, and having been, you know, based largely on this side of the pond for a few years now, like, I will be completely forthcoming in saying that my worldview has shifted drastically um, mm-hmm. from the one that I grew up with in Nashville. And I don't mm-hmm. say that to make myself sound holier than thou or better or anything like that, but it's just, I, I have a different perspective now. And I think that has been hard because I still have relationships I value like 
so much um, in Nashville. And, but my, my worldview continues to change. And so in today's world of political differences and differences on how we handle things like pandemics and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's really, I think that is probably the hardest part because it really feels duplicitous to be like, I have my friends who think this and my friends who think this. And it's almost like, which, you know, just learning a lot about how to engage in those difficult differences that we are, that are unavoidable now, you know, it's, um, it's a totally different world than it used to be when it comes to our differences. <laughs> yes. Um, it's just like, yeah. it's unavoidable, right? Like th- those aren't, there. certain things can't be avoided anymore. It just, yeah. it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But I yes. resonate um, with a lot of what you've said. So you kind of also mentioned you've, you've even while um, after you moved abroad, you moved to London, you have mm-hmm. done some traveling both um, within Europe and then back here to the U.S. Um, so you've traveled, I would say, I guess, domestically and internationally, mm-hmm. um, even amidst um, the pandemic. Yeah, like you said at the top of the episode, it's we're not post-COVID quite yet. Um, no. But I would just love to hear a little bit, since you have done some traveling, um, what are some of the things that you've seen? Because I know a lot of people um, – haven't traveled or don't know what what travel looks like and um and are kind of waiting to see what happens so i'd love to hear from someone who has been traveling what are some of the things you've seen in terms of safety covid guidelines things like that or are you seeing different things um over in europe than you are here in the u.s uh based on your travels yeah i think um it's I want to caveat by saying like, these have been my experiences. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's hard to talk about this without making like sweeping generalizations. Cause there's obviously going to be people in every country that sit on both sides of, you know, or on, on multiple sides. It's not even just a two side thing, yeah. but there's lots of different points of views. Um, this is, but my personal experience, mm-hmm. um, I'd say right now, I think, vaccinations have changed the game for a lot of people. And I know that there's, I know there's breakthrough cases, but I feel like the travel industry has done a really, really wonderful job. I feel like they've been over backwards. I mean, I continued to fly during the pandemic, which I know some people did not feel comfortable with. Um, Personally, I did. I I only flew internationally um, at first, which sounds crazy, but I was separated from my boyfriend for months, Mm -hmm. um, made the decision to go over to the UK before I was living in the UK. So I started the pandemic off in Nashville, was living with my mom, um, and honestly ended up being like such a sweet time. Um, Mm. But I was hadn't seen my boyfriend in months and I didn't know how soon the visa was going to come through. And I made the decision to go spend like June and July of 2020 in the UK with him. Mm-hmm. And we were just, he, his family actually has a place in New Zealand and a place in the UK and they were stuck in New Zealand and he was by himself at this house in like the English countryside. So I was just like the whole time I was like, I could be there in the countryside with you and we could be away from everyone if I could just get there. Mm-hmm. So ultimately made the decision to go. Um, and I was so nervous to fly. And I feel like when I went, I was so impressed by like how thorough and rig- A, I mean, like there was hardly anyone flying, but B, mm-hmm. I've only flown Delta since I've just, I've been, I was so impressed with how rigorous they were, how 
comfortable they made me feel. I mean, it was just like they had thought through so many different things, so many different touch points. Like I, I really felt very safe. Um, so that was like my first experience. But ever since then, I'm like every hotel I've worked with, every, um, you know, I just, I feel like they, the travel industry realizes that like our livelihood depends, like if people aren't safe and if people don't feel comfortable, then they're not going to travel. And so they do take it seriously. So um, obviously that's, again, um, this isn't advice. I had to, I've always had to say that to people like, Mm -hmm. I'm not, please do not sue me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it's one of those things where like, I'm fortunate that I don't have any underlying health conditions. And Mm. um, so no, I I definitely did not see it as an opportunity to just be like, whatever, I'm going to keep getting tested and just live my life like I didn't I cut way back I normally would be doing like 20 plus trips a year and like I did like one (laughs) I mean like the big one across the pond I would say overall um I think a, a big learning that I've seen is just it was really frustrating for a little while there because I when I went to um, I, I traveled to Greece and Italy when I was vaccinated. The UK was like right up there with the US in terms of like we had vaccines and access and it was like, come on, come all, get vaccinated. So now I've seen like, it's just been interesting when I've been in countries like Greece and Italy. Like I traveled to both of those places once I was vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt more comfortable doing so, but still did testing. Um, the NHS gives us like, if you live here in London, you have the NHS and we get free rapid tests. You just order them, they show up at your flat, you get, you know, seven in a box. And so I would just take them daily. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I felt like it, I felt safe and comfortable doing so, but I also was very cognizant of the fact that I'm traveling to some countries where they don't have as rapid of a rollout yet. So what, for me, what became really problematic was when there were people from countries like the UK or like the US and probably the UK too, where you did have access to the vaccine, but you weren't doing it. And then you were traveling to just go have fun on holiday with countries where they don't have access to the vaccine yet. Mm -hmm. And there's just, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, um, I guess for me, my whole thing is I personally think if you don't have underlying health conditions, um, you know, I think there are ways to make sure that there are lots of precautions are taken and that you're mm-hmm. safe. And I actually am team, you know, work with hotels. Hotels have been like really upping their cleaning. They're implementing mm-hmm. all these policies. There's so much, like so much going into it. Um, but I think that, yeah, there's also a sense of like now's not even still, even though there is some air quote normalcy. I mean, I don't know. Delta has changed that. Mm-hmm. It changes every day. It changes every day. It does. But, um, it, my question is if, if people were like, is it safe to travel right now? I would have a lot of questions about like, well, tell me how you're living your life and I'll tell mm-hmm. you yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're just going to act like COVID never was a thing, then no, you shouldn't be traveling right now because there's still people. And, and where are you trying to travel? Because right. different populations have different infrastructure and access to vaccine and, and public health. And yeah, there's just, there's so much to consider. So mm-hmm. um I don't know if if that really answered your question. I feel like that was more of just a tangent. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was perfect because, I mean, I was asking about what your experience has been like and especially being in another country and seeing how things are happening in another continent, really, um, versus how things are rolling out in America. It's just really interesting um, to to consider what are things looking like as you're traveling. So that was perfect. Quick question for you. 
if someone um like in the next year somebody really wants to travel because i mean one thing i think that's definitely coming out of this pandemic is um people want to travel more than ever because they couldn't for so long mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of people are like you know i've had this place at the top of my list to visit for 10 20 years and i'm not going to wait anymore once it's you know safe i'm going to go um so what would you tell somebody wanting to travel internationally in this next year what would be some advice flexibility is the name of the game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'll say this. I am, again, back to some of my, in the past, I can't always say I've been the wisest when it's come to certain decision making. Um, I I tend to be very like, it's fine. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Um, And I am now advising every client have travel insurance and I'm purchasing it Mm. myself when I travel. Um, there's a few different, there's lots of different policies. I mean, there's one, this is really expensive, but there's one policy for, for those who have the funds. Um, it's $2,500 a year for a membership, but it's called Kovac. And you get, basically, if you were to travel anywhere and you somehow were to test positive for COVID, even if you're vaccinated and even if you have like mild symptoms, like you can't fly until you test negative or you have a note of recovery. Um, this insurance provides you with pri- a private evacuation system, like a private plane that will take you home so that oh, you wow. can can recover at home as opposed to being stuck in another country. So uh, that, that's obviously like a, a more um, like splash out, really play it safe tactic. Mm-hmm. But there's tons and tons of insurance policies out there now and lots of you know medical evacuation or ones where if you did have to, you know, stay stuck. I I would just say always have a plan, a contingency plan. Mm -hmm. This, this part is particular to COVID. Um, Do you feel like, are you traveling someplace where there's a language barrier and do you have boots on the ground? Like, are you staying at a hotel? Mm -hmm. Because if you stay at a hotel, even if it's like France and you don't speak French, they're at least going to be able to help you if like the worst happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like having an insurance that can, that can help cover some of the costs if you do get stuck and have to quarantine for 10 days, like just factoring those things in. I also think it's worth saying that, you know, if you are vaccinated and if you're traveling to, you know, places where they have, you know, lower infection rates and it's not like going to the epicenter of, you know, everything, the, the, your chances are lower. And so it's just like a set, you have to assess that personal risk. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, I think there's always going to be, I, I'm teetering the line of like, get the policies in place to protect you and make sure you, you have like a worst case scenario, like mapped out. Mm-hmm. But also like, I, I also would hate to see people be like, uh, oh, like international travel is just like too scary now. Like there's too much going on in the world. Like I should just never do it because I mean, point in case, like America, America was taken off uh, off the safe list for the EU. Like, uh, it's America's not the dangerous. I mean, you know, like Europe's not the dangerous one. Now America is, you know. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, you're safer traveling to Europe than you are traveling around the U.S., depending yeah. on where you're traveling, you know. So I think it's just, again, I have to caveat all the things that I'm not an infectious disease specialist. I don't know, all, you know. But as someone who works in the travel industry, I can say, like, there is so much, so many precautions being taken mm-hmm. and so much like careful planning and procedures going to make travel safe. Um, 
So again, if you are someone that does not have an underlying health condition, I mm-hmm. certainly think that, you know, again, one day at a time, but I anticipate that I anticipate next year is going to be busy, like yeah. booked and busy. Um, because the hope is that we're reaching herd immunity. I do think that right now we're in this painful point where it's like, there's just more admin involved, you know, Mm -hmm. like to to travel internationally, you have to get tests, you have to Mm -hmm. fill out these passenger locator forms. So, I mean, shameless plug. I'm like, I have been told everyone, like, I highly recommend working with advisors because advisors, like that is our job. Like I'm on, like I said, I'm on an agency call every day hearing like with our daily lineup where it's like, and I'm on this group thread where it's like, by the way, Spain just announced this. So-and-so just announced Mm. this. It's like, it is my job to be on top of all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, so that clients can go and actually enjoy their holiday and not have to worry about, wait, is the, did I fill out the right form or get turned away because you took the wrong kind of test or something like that. So, um, and my other thing is I would just say, yeah, work with advisors, plan like according to your comfort level, but also consider destinations that are going to be aligned with your, um, just consider crowds. That's what I'm trying to say. Because places like Amalfi Coast, like Greece, places that were already crowded before COVID, there are so many people who did not travel in 2020 or even 2021 and they're all, plus all the people who have always just wanted to go and they're finally like, oh, well now I, I didn't travel for the last two years. I saved up. Like they are going to be so overcrowded. Yeah. Um, so I would suggest going places that aren't as popular. Yeah. <laughs> personally, yeah. Or going in shoulder season and not ju- mm-hmm. just during like tourist season. I don't know. Those are, that's my two cents. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I I mean, I love what you said about flexibility, whether it's COVID or not. I think flexibility is so important Mm -hmm. when you're considering international travel and insurance. I, when I was, um, nomading around Europe, I had insurance on both of my trips just, um, for that added layer. That was obviously pre COVID. Um, but just for that added layer of, um, peace of mind, um, knowing that if something were to happen, um, almost almost all things would have been covered in some form by travel insurance. So that's yeah. good advice. Um, okay. Well, so for those then are, who might be hesitant to travel internationally, um, what do you think are some great tips for traveling domestically, whether it's in the U S or if somebody's listening in from another country? I mean, I think it's really easy to, when you live somewhere and something's always like accessible or close, like it's easy to just kind of like, skirt it and be like, ah, whatever. I've never been. I I'm joke all the time that I've been to all these different like wine regions and, you know, things in like these exotic locations, but I spent my whole life, like an hour from the Jack Daniels distillery and like two hours from the bourbon trail. And I never went to either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think it's more so like just kind of pausing to consider it's you almost have to just find a way to like shift mindset. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I mean, it, to me, when I, I did a lot of domestic travel in the UK in the last year. Um, and for me, that was exciting because like I was new here and, you know, so it's like that the, the mindset was a, a bit different. Right. But mm-hmm. I think if you can just like take yourself out of the, like, I can do this anytime and try and tell yourself like, but I haven't done this anytime. Like to some people, this is like, this is less, and this is another good example. I was in Croatia and 
I forget, I was on a boat and I was talking to somebody I had just met and they said something about the Grand Canyon. And I was at the time, I was like, oh, I've actually never been to the Grand Canyon. And they were like, you're an American and you're on this random <laughs> island in Croatia and you've never been to the Grand Canyon. And I was like, yeah, uh, touche. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why I've never been. And I actually, that's like kind of what made me plan my coast to coast road trip a few years ago. I spent like six weeks driving like to the West coast and back um, through a few different routes and went mm-hmm. to the Grand Canyon. But yeah, I think it's just like shifting the mindset to be like, to some people, the Grand Canyon is like an exotic location that is like, they have to travel across the world to get to. And so I think it's just kind of like put yourself in someone else's shoes maybe. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if you have a way to connect with somebody in a, in a different country or something like, what are the places they want to go? I think it's so funny. Some of my friends here in the UK, like make comments about like, I want to go to Alabama. And I'm like, you want to go to Alabama? What? Like, and they're like, oh, I don't know. It just sounds so like, sounds so remote. And I'm like, okay, go to Alabama. One thing I will say about the States that I've learned is that, you know, there's a what's wonderful about the United States. One of the things is that we have so many different landscapes. I guess is the best mm-hmm. way to say it's a big. We're it's a big country. Um, right. I'm also like just got back from a trip to Alaska, and it was amazing. Like I I felt otherworldly in some respects because it's just a rugged kind of beauty I haven't seen in other places. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, like the fact that this is a part of the country that I live in. Um, is wild. And so in, in some respects, I think there's a lot of things that you can do domestically if you're hesitant totally. to travel internationally. There's a lot of places that you can go. Even just like thinking back on how you needed to get out of Nashville. So you just like temporarily moved to Chicago, which is only mm-hmm. eight hours away. It's not that far. Right. Um, and yet it provided, you know, a new space for you to to, to grow and live. And um, yeah, there's just a lot a lot that you can do while staying in your own country, uh, other places and cities and towns for you to see. Um, totally. So that's solid advice. Um, okay. Well, you've, you've already kind of shared some of your um, insight in, in because of what you do and being so on top of all the things um, in terms of travel, especially in the middle of the world right now. Um, you've already shared some of what you know about travel, but I'd love to know um, what predictions you might have for this next year. Obviously, we can't tell the future. We don't know. Anything could happen. Anything could change. But as of this moment, what predictions do you have for um, what travel might look like next year in 2022? I think it's going to be kind of an extension of what we're seeing now through at least like until spring um at least I think that you know it's I I have no idea what to predict about the COVID part honestly there's a part of me that's like are we gonna get 12 more mutations is it gonna be that vaccine effect efficacy starts wearing off is it gonna be but like I think it's still regardless of what happens I I don't feel like it's just gonna go away like I think it'll be something I, I, I hate to compare it to the flu because I do know that it's different, but I do think it's something where it's like the flu exists every year and there's flu shots for it. Um, this is a lot more contagious. And so I do think we have to like globally figure out a scheme of like how to keep it from, you know, surging again. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be, you know, but I, I do think we're going to see a lot of varying policies where it's like, you know, just like what we're seeing in Europe right now. So I think, 
I think in terms of what I predict for next year, I mean, in addition to just like, that's also me reiterating why insurance is so important and why working Mm -hmm. with an advisor is so important. But I think that in addition to that, um, I just think it's going to be a lot of advent. I think it's a lot of additional like hoops until we learn how to like live with this for another year or so and normalize it and, and net out because Things are just still in the in the phase where they're evolving and changing every day. The difference mm-hmm. is that was happening a year ago, but we didn't have vaccines, you know. So True. I think that I do think that we are we have the potential to get back to um, a normal that was close to what we previously knew. Mm-hmm. Never the exact same, but I think we have a, the ability to get there. I really think so much of it just depends on what happens because right now uh, globally we're seeing a lot of, you know, number, we're not seeing like 100% vaccination and, and anywhere really there's, Mm -hmm. there's hesitancy globally, but particularly from, you know, certain countries. Yeah. And I think that that, that certainly complicates things and makes it harder to make predictions, but Mm -hmm. um, it's been really cool to see how the travel industry has just pivoted, how the whole world has pivoted. Um, And I, I think there's a lot of resourcefulness and, in my opinion, like for myself, who's, who's vaccinated, who will continue to follow the guidelines and all of that, I anticipate that travel will be available. Um, and in some ways I'm like, you know what, I'm going to let the world tell me where to travel. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I used to, we used to have a lot more flexibility to be like, Oh, I want to go to Japan. So I'm going to go to Japan this year. Whereas now it might be like, okay, where are the places I can go? Like my boyfriend and I are planning, um, a trip at the end of October, middle of October. And we were kind of looking like, where can we go? What countries allow us? Where is there no restrictions? Where, you know, what, where is COVID like, Kate, where are the cases lower? And we make a short list. Then we're like, Ooh, you know, we could go there. Like, like that, where it's yeah. people kind of making their decisions based on who's having low infection rates and high vaccine um, administration and yeah, things like that. Oh, that's yeah. That's, I like thinking of it in terms of like, letting the world tell me where I can go versus just assuming or trying to force myself um, into going places I want to go without looking into what's actually the best decision, if that makes sense. I do like the idea of like, yeah, looking into where can I go? Where makes the most sense right now? Um, you know, where where's safest for me and then also for, for the people I'm going to go see, which I think is honestly more important to put um, if you're traveling, thinking about what you could, what you're bringing um, to that country, like, I don't know, I think it's just important to look at all of those things. So that's really solid advice. I feel like you've kind of already answered my last question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And if you okay. repeat something, I think that's okay, because um, everything you've shared has just been so insightful and helpful. Um, but what would you say, like, what one thing do you think every traveler should know and be prepared for? Um, if they choose to travel in 2022. I'm kind of surprised that I'm going to say this because I'm generally like such an optimist and such like a glass half full person. But I think the one thing is, you know, when I reflect on my travels over the last decade and when I really started to get into travel, there was something every year, like one year I was supposed to go to Belgium, but there was a terrorist attack. I went to Paris, the like, a couple months before that attack and a few months after like terrorist attacks happen, global pandemics happen. Like Mm. this isn't going to be something where 
we finally can put the chapter of COVID behind us and ride off into the sunset blissfully. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be other things that happen. And I don't say that to fear bunker. I don't say that to like go, but like, what is the alternative hiding in the closet Mm -hmm. and never going anywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I, I definitely think it, I, the state of the world has felt so heavy in so many ways over the last year, you know, if I could provide a message to every traveler, if I had the ability to like give a little soapbox to put in everyone's ear before they traveled, I would say that I think travel has the power to be the most like unifying, um, transforming, open, like source of open-mindedness. Like I think it has the ability to make you think beyond yourself, to be more tolerant of other people, to want to work with other people, work together, um, to be kind, to I think it has so many opportunities to do beautiful things for the world what makes me sad is I think what a lot of people do and of course you travel to have fun of course you travel you know for for sweet memories and beautiful experiences but I think where we have to find commonality if we if we want hope for the future is traveling as a way to not be so self-serving to not be only self-serving like Mm travel for the sake of, you know, bragging on Instagram and getting bottle service and saying, I'm so bougie, look at my life Mm. while not thinking about any kind of environmental footprint that you're leaving behind or the local communities that you're impacting or anything like that. I think you were asking probably more from a like, how do I think everyone should be prepared? And I was starting to say, I think you just be prepared that there's, there's going to be another thing that will have reason for concern, but don't let it deter you from traveling. And if I could go a step further, it would be like to really lean into like what not to not travel from a sense of it's my right. And like, Mm. I'm going to use it as a mechanism for self glory and gloating and gluttony, but instead as a method to, it really is what the world needs now for us to be able to like, we need unification. We need to be able to work together, to be Mm open-minded, to be more tolerant. Like we need that more than ever. And I really do believe travel can have such a beautiful and important role in that. Um, Mm. If we'll try a little harder to be conscious travelers, I I think Mm -hmm. that's the only way forward. And it's something that I hope everyone tries to to be better at. That's so good. I I mean, yeah, for my travels, I feel like my worldview expanded so much getting to kind of immerse myself and learn from other cultures and communities um, and help me reevaluate like what's important in my own life, um, like on a very, you know, personal level. And conscious tourism, conscious traveling, I think is so important. So I'm so glad that that was what you said, honestly. I think you're right in that a lot of people look at travel as a like, I deserve to um, versus like I get to. So I I like the idea um, and not letting it just be an idea, but actually putting it into action and like thinking more thoughtfully um, mm-hmm. around travel and and when you engage with other cultures. I mean, just like a really simple example is when you go somewhere that speaks a different language, but you expect them to speak your language. Like you've, yeah. you've entered into another country, um, you should 
be learn if 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 not knowing their language at least showing some effort <laughs> and right. learning basic phrases and meeting those people where they are because this is their home not yours and so um that's why and that's the people. exciting thing that's like that's yeah. the reason you travel like everywhere you go like you take a little piece with you and it, it makes you a more well-rounded like thoughtful open-minded person and i think yeah. that's the beauty of it Winnie, this has been so fun getting to hear more. I mean, every time I get to talk about travel, I just like get antsy. Um, so like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like spinning in my chair right now. I'm like, oh, I just want to be somewhere Aww. else. Um, but it's okay. We're, we're savoring the season we're in. Um, but I would love to hear from you knowing what you know now. I know you're in your early 30s like me, I think. Is that right? Yeah, 34. Early 30s. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're in your early 30s. So, um, so early. <laughs> we're counting it early and not mid yet. So knowing what you know now at 34, what would you tell yourself at age 20? <laughs> um, <laughs> buckle up. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would. I think just like encourage, like I, I wouldn't go back and change anything. Like I, I don't know like what you could change. Like I do believe that every hardship is the character builder. Um mm. And I think the biggest thing that I needed to hear was just like, yeah, like hang in there, keep going. There were times that I felt like I was trying so hard and just feeling like I was getting no results. And um, yeah, I just think that I remember having moments of like sitting in London and like crying, not wanting to leave. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm ever going to get here. Or like Mm. times where I was so stressed financially and like, had no idea how I'd, you know, be in a position where I had, like, had money in savings and, you know, things like that, much less like doing what I enjoyed. And mm-hmm. I think it's just, it sounds, again, I have to reiterate that, like, I, I recognize, like, the privileges that I've had to be able to, to get me where I am. But I also know that some of this was like a product of hard work. And I think that it's, it's a combination. But if you, if you do just like, I guess just keep going, you know, because regardless of, of what your background is or what, what luck you have on your side, um, you know, hard work can take you better place. Hard work can take you farther than you'll go otherwise, you know, and mm. um, yeah, just keep going. Okay. Well, obviously this podcast is called Wild Hearts uh, with Janine. So I would love to know in your opinion, what makes someone a wild heart? Wow. Um <sighs> That's a great question. Wild heart, I would say, um, when I think of that, I think of like, just like, it makes me think of passion. Um, yeah, wild to me is, is I don't know why, when I attribute that, I think of like someone who's super passionate and, and um, doesn't put yourself in a box, doesn't confine yourself. A wild heart's a free heart and a passionate one and one that wants to live life to the fullest. Mm, yes that's so good um okay well last but not least I want you to tell everyone listening where they can find you um online um yeah because you have so many great resources that I want everybody to know about so where can everyone find you thank you so my website is blondeatlas.com blonde with a e atlas like a map um (laughs) and my instagram handle is the same just with an underscore blonde underscore atlas um yeah I have information about my travel planning, my group trips, my online courses, all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, that's, that's me. That's where you can find me. 
Yes. So everybody, make sure to go follow along. Sign up for her weekly email. I love your weekly emails. Thank um, I you. love getting those on Sundays. Um, so sign up for that. Check out her group trips. She plans some amazing trips. I know she's gone to Belize, um, Paris. I mean, you've been to Italy so many times too. Like, I just. Yeah, we have lots of trips coming down the pipeline. And well, knock on wood, we're planning to have lots of trips coming down the right. pipeline in 2022. So. Right. so, everybody, make sure you go check that out. Whitney, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for uh, hopping on an episode of Wild Hearts. I really appreciate it. And um, you're just the best. I'm so grateful to know you in real life as well as online. <laughs> Thanks, Janine. And I appreciate you having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Wild Hearts with Janine. I hope that this conversation has encouraged you to step out confidently and say yes to the things that God has for you. Hey, while I've got your attention, I would absolutely love it if you went to Apple Podcasts and rated, reviewed, and subscribed to Wild Hearts with Janine. It would mean so much to me. All right, I will see you guys back here when the next new episode drops, when I'll be sitting down with another great guest to talk about another wild-hearted topic. But until then, you guys, keep dreaming seeking and stepping out in faith.